Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Smart Cities Chronicles podcast, your podcast for everything Smart Cities action, investment, and outcomes. My name is Adam Beck, your host. I'm executive director as well for the Australia and New Zealand region, uh, bringing you episode 66 today of the Chronicles. And joining me, uh, a man of many, uh, many talents, uh, in particular, uh, data and all things about it, is Neil Glentworth. Neil, thanks so much for joining us today. Hello, Adam, and uh, wonderful to be on your podcast. Thank you very much. It's, uh, it's, it's busy times for all of us. I appreciate you squeezing in a, a conversation. Um, I'd like to, if I may, Neil, uh, ask, uh, ask you to give an introduction to yourself, given our, uh, our, our very sort of large geographic uh, f- uh, footprint on the podcast. So if you could let us know who you are and what you do, that would be delightful. Thanks, Adam. Uh, I am based in Australia. Uh, I own a couple of different companies um, that are really focused around data, its use, um, uh, its collection, and real practical outcomes. And they specialise between the private sector, the public sector, um, and I've had a lot of involvement around the smart cities area uh, for many, many years. Um. Neil, as a uh, as a data enthusiast, uh, a data whisperer, data whatever, what uh, what do you make of our current situation with this COVID nineteen pandemic? Is it uh, is it something that um, is is sort of uh, exciting you? Is it something that uh, is is intriguing? What what are the what are the thoughts and emotions as we sit here now talking to each other? Well, uh, Adam, I think uh, I, first of all, you know, show enormous empathy for the challenges many are going through, whether um, the, the medical challenges, the economic challenges. And so uh, this is a new normal uh, for many people around the world. And what I'm seeing certainly in a lot of the cities is that they are scrambling to understand what is going on. And that's not at the macro level in terms of health. That's more at the micro level in terms of economy and what that actually means. Um, and each city is facing its own separate challenges because of the uniqueness of their social and economic environment. Um, it is an opportunity to do things better, um, but I don't mean that in terms of opportunity is in uh, let's exploit that. It's an opportunity to reflect on where we are and an opportunity to ensure that we mitigate the risks of any future events, but also prepare for people are terming a recovery. Um, but I don't think that recovery will be what people expect either. Is this um, something that, I, I mean, you, you've, you've, you've traveled the world a lot, you've seen a lot, um, your accent suggests that, you know, back in your home country, there's a lot going on. Is this ever something that you would have thought you'd see in your lifetime, something on this scale? Um, uh, no, I, I, I don't think it is. I mean, I, I have a former career um, in the British military and I've, I've worked in some very complex environments uh, from all around the world. And I've certainly seen some very significant crises over my time and, and been part of teams dealing with them. Um, but the 
impact uh, this is having uh, from a health perspective and an economic perspective, absolutely not. Um, and I don't think it's something that any of us ever perceived or, or wanted. Uh, sadly, though, I, I think it's an inevitable um, outcome of globalisation and um, some of the lack of controls that have been in place. And as different economies have um, moved faster than others in terms of um, high density living, uh, in terms of healthcare, hygiene standards, uh, and a whole range of other things. So um, I, I'm familiar with big complex crises. I'm not familiar with pandemics. Yeah, it's been um, it's been an interesting ten days for me. Um, in that uh, we've been recording a number of interviews on the podcast, and of course, many scheduled in before kind of things really got got somewhat um, chaotic, and we really hit crisis mode. So every every interview, uh, as our sort of regular listeners would know, the past handful have um, uh, have. Uh, have certainly been sort of focused around this. Um, there has been uh, a number of comments around the role of data. Uh, and, you know, in my introduction there, when I said, you know, is there, is there an element of excitement, I suppose, um, for, for me, um, the, the looking forward and looking ahead and the rebuild and the role that sort of data may be able to play in that uh, is, is one that um, I, I, I'm going to fondly sort of, track and hopefully you know help shape ultimately but um uh, talk to me neil about um about data in, in in times like this let's let's sort of view this from the lens of you know the city local government um what uh, what is what, what is sort of the the data strategy or the data play that that one would you know want to have at a time like this um, look, that's a really good question, and it's really important that we discuss this. So first thing is in terms of data, I think cities are doing a fantastic job um, right at this moment in terms of the data they have in front of them. And that basically revolves around cash and, you know, cash is king in business and in economies, and that's rate abatements or rate reliefs or, or any local taxes. But here's the challenge and here's the real rub. Uh, for a long time, I've been a little bit of a lone voice around smart cities and, and hammering my fist on the table. And you don't do smart cities unless it produces a social and economic outcome. And my reason behind that is that the data that should be collected out of anything smart should be able to inform and offer an insight on a smarter city. And that offers uh, an insight how to change and, and, and how to move the city along. There are very few projects that are offering those real deep insights. And what we really need is we need uh, data um, that is more localised. So we're not reliant on the Bureau of Statistics every four years or every 12 months or chief statisticians offices in states and territories. Um, we need economic data that is showing the true pain, the hotspots, the challenges, but also, um, you know, where people are meeting uh, and monitoring. And largely for many cities, um, that data isn't available. Now, foot traffic, uh, some of that data is available, but it, it is just data on a graph. It's the insight. It's the so what. Um, and what are we going to do about it? 
And uh, credit to several of those cities, and I've, uh, I've been fortunate to see some of that data just recently of one city um, in Western Australia who has got a really solid approach uh, to this. Um, but there is no central coordination, stunningly. Um, nobody is bringing all of these data sources together um, to help pull the levers for social and economic recovery, which I find really quite concerning. Let's, let's just break that down a, a little bit. Um, I'm, just, I'm just diving into some real-time results that are coming through on a survey that the Smart Cities Council has out at the moment around data and economic development. And we've been asking a number of questions, you know, what are your sort of indicators of, you know, a recovering economy? What data sets are you relying on now? Um, there is almost 100% consensus on um, the final question that we ask in this survey, which is uh, what, uh, what data are you missing right now in terms of urgent, a data set you wish you had and, and you kind of needed it yesterday and almost 100% of respondents are saying the same thing, which is um, small business closure and impact of small business. Now we, we want to get, we sort of want to get, you know, a, a granular look into what's happening. Uh, and I suspect that's both from a numbers perspective and, and, and types of small business, but also, you know, geographically as well, because a number of cities in Australia are very, very dispersed. So um, how, how do we start to, and the responses in here are from cities and they're scattered all over the country. Is this just one of those cases where we'll eventually pick ourselves up, we'll brush ourselves off and we'll go on fighting the good fight one city at a time? Uh, is there a role here at all for something that looks national. Um, talk to me about sort of role of national government, role of local and or state government on, on, on data at a time like this. I look, um, you know, it's no surprise that what your survey results uh, are saying um, uh, for several years, I was on the board of uh, the State Chamber of Commerce in Queensland and one of the focuses that I was on the board was around digitization and, and, and data collection, which uh, we managed to achieve. Um, so let me just start at the top level. Um, the city's performance framework that was put in place, uh, which you know uh, I had input into and was very social and economically focused, was drawn off data that was already available from the Australian Bureau of Statistics. It didn't take a feed in from cities. So first thing is it didn't incentivize the cities um, to actually provide data in a more dynamic format. Um, and the failure, and I underline it as the failure, is that uh, the city's uh, funding um, suburbs grants should have had more of a focus of here's your money, provide some of the data so that there was more coordination and incentive. Um, at a state level, interestingly, a lot of states, their offices of uh, statisticians are very smart, um, very uh, well-versed in collecting this type of data. Um, and, and this isn't really so much just about the public sector. You know, banking data, credit card data, 
Um, and, and a lot of the banks actually do work very closely with uh, the treasury functions in all the relevant jurisdictions in and around Australia and New Zealand and, and obviously globally. Um, th they've been quite smart, but again, they're, they're very state by state and it, it's, it's not aggregated together um, except in terms of tax receipts at the federal level. Down at a local level, you know, there's been an enormous amount of hard work done um, but there has not been a focus to bring together or have some clear indicators on um, businesses starting up, what type of businesses they are, uh, business failure rates. That data is collected. It's collected by the Bureau of Statistics and Statisticians Office. Um, but the data value and quality has degraded over the years. Um, we just haven't collected it. A smart city has to be about empowering individuals to make a better decision and that's all stakeholders that has to center around social and economics um, and what we must do is have a center of excellence around data um, and each layer plays a role but there's got to be a standard of data that we collect and we should expect um, of our cities so that um, let's fast forward 18 months if I'm starting a new business and I want to go and start in um, X, Y, and Z city, let's just say Geelong uh, in Victoria or, or Dunedin in New Zealand, I should be able to go and access dynamic data to tell me about what the market opportunities, what the conditions are. The same as if I'm running a, a sandwich shop to know what's actually going on in my area and that data should be available in a more dynamic basis that's not hard data to collect if we are willing to focus our cities more smartly or or our regions on the data that's available um, and if i may i I'm, I'm currently working some regional very remote and regional areas of, of australia at the moment about saying now is an ideal opportunity to seek data about tourists because they're all at home um, getting ready for when there is a new wave or pivoting your businesses to have more online interaction. Neil, the idea, just sort of putting um, national and international crises aside for a moment, you know, we've, we've got the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, which is, you know, the, the sort of follow-up from the, the um, you know, crippling bushfire season that Australia has just had, but, but just put all that aside for the moment, um, let's just talk about national, uh, na national infrastructure. Let's talk about nation building for a moment. A am I, am I, um, am I putting words in your mouth if I'm sort of playing with the idea of uh, data being, you know, a, a, a national infrastructure asset and w we should be, you know, you mentioned the, the, um, the the Australian um, cities performance dashboard is 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 there something deeper and bigger here that that the current crisis highlights that you know that there's something big that's missing and it should become a priority around data data collection you know something there is there something there that you're uh, look, kind of hinting uh, at I, I am I, I'm I'm hinting more at it is my um, sort of real infuriation is that, the, the, that um, we don't value data at a national level um, 
as a real strategic asset. And yes, it's the thing that we are all thirsty for. I mean, there's that great quote, you know, drowning data, thirsty for insight. Um, and right at the moment, that is what we're after. And there should be, but it, I would loathe the, the, um, the connotation that this would just become this monolithic um, kind of useless data storage of very poor insights. It has to be something that serves the community uh, first and foremost. It has to be something that serves businesses. Um, and ultimately, uh, cities and city leaders gain um, that insight. The amount of duplication, the amount of um, you know, uh, technology that is in use that is not serving that value is quite concerning. So there should be national data leadership. Um, but that, uh, and yes, I'm aware that there is some coordination around that, but it, it's not producing the value that we need. Um, we need this point in time to bring together data leadership from public and private sector um, and saying, what have we got available? What does that mean for uh, privacy? Um, and what are the things that we need to do in order to produce positive outcomes? A good example of that is telecommunications data. Um, there are many countries uh, around the world that are currently using telecommunication data to track um, uh, the spread of the virus, and they're doing it well within uh, privacy um, uh, policies and regulations and legislation. Um, we're starting to see a move of that in Australia. Uh, some of that moves in New Zealand, um, but we're not seeing any coordination or any civic leadership in that space. Let's talk about leadership for a moment. Um, Australia, let's start with Australia. I'd like to sort of also maybe go offshore to see what we're observing elsewhere. But starting here, um, we have the... Um, uh, the the delightful situation that we're in with three tiers of government, um, where yes, every tier of government needs to show leadership around you know data and and so on and so forth. But uh, who who makes the first move here? And let's talk about the now and you know as as we sort of nudge through this crisis and we'll we'll come out the other end. Who needs to make the first move and what's the first move on, on a national sort of data play? If I um, sort of describe it as that at the moment. Yeah, yeah, look, sure. Uh, you're not going to like the answer, Adam. Um, uh, and I'm going to say you do. Um, because uh, <laughs> I, I will say this way, is governments of all levels at the moment are working their socks off. And they're working their socks off dealing with the here and now. And the here and now is getting worse. And it's incumbent on... Uh, the private sector uh, and not-for-profit sector to not just point at government and say you should be doing better. It's incumbent on people like us, Adam, and your listeners to step up. Um, and we need to step up, step up so we can't throw stones and then not be accountable. Um, so um, I'm actually saying, Adam, it's you. You, you need to do this because um, government is trying really hard. And, and whilst we're on that subject, I'd put a you know, a thank you out to both Australian levels of government and New Zealand and around the world who are doing a very good job in a situation where there is no rule book. Um, and I don't want to take that away from them, but it's our job to help them and to help improve in the same way other industries are helping with medical suppliers. It's our job to step up now. So, uh, uh, you know, tag, you're it, Adam. 
Yeah, so I'm I'm reaching for a sticky note as we speak to make myself a note on that one. Um, you you mentioned uh, let let's unpack a really prickly one for a few moments. You mentioned um, just before reference to telecommunications companies and location data. I mean, we've all seen kind of the the text messages and alerts that um, our our friends and family over in places like you know Seoul and South Korea and China um, were sort of receiving during their immediate response. There is certainly a uh, level of uh, data gathering and yes, I'll use the word you know tracking um, that that goes on. Um, it's a, it's a, I'll use the word controversial one, a prickly one here. Um, we, we, I think it was over the weekend or late last week, we did sort of see that there was a little bit of telecommunications data being used by one state government, uh, anonymized of, of course, um, to sort of try and understand some, some very particular challenging cases they had. And I think there was one in South Australia. So it kind of does raise an interesting point. Does it in terms of the level of granularity of data we, we, we could collect or, or the insights that we could share? Um, you know, we don't have one national app, you know, like other countries do. Maybe that's a good thing. I don't know. Um, let, let me start with sort of the high level question around this one. Um, uh, when, when do we, and, I, and we don't know how long this thing's going to last, right? Um, when do we have that conversation as a nation? When, when do we sort of do the post-mortem and when's a good time to have that conversation? Is, or, and is, is it too late to influence anything now? Do we just let it go? What, what, what's sort of your starting point on this issue? Let me break that down uh, into a couple of things. Uh, so th the first thing is, um, you know, Western societies on the whole, most people are good people who want to do the right thing, care about their neighbours um, uh, and actually are, are interested in preserving safety and security. Um, so that's the first thing in terms of culture. And, and, and I, I call that out in terms of democracy because some of the nations that are using uh, mobile phone data and the like probably aren't don't have sort of the democratic luxuries that you know the likes of Australia and New Zealand do. The second the second part to this is when now now is the answer, um, and it should have been two weeks ago. In Australia, the federal government have released an app which is uh, largely links uh, through. Um, and the third thing is on the how, if now is the time is the how, is it has to be opt-in in the first instance. And that is you have an app, you provide what you're doing and the, that app and that data is used for that sole purpose. So it can't be used for any other purpose and you opt-in. Um, and that would be a very difficult conversation for any government. It probably would be political suicide for a, um, a government for many. There would mean many civil libertarians uh, that would rightly cause objection to that. Um, but, you know, we're in a situation where we need to manage the movement of people in order to lessen the risk to wider society. It's incumbent on us as... Um, you know, participants of a democracy to contribute to uh, solve that problem. 
our great contri contribution is to kind of share what we're doing. Um, and we have to kind of come together in some way. Now, um, uh, governments don't have a great history of managing data, large complex uh, amounts of data and throughput. So uh, that there has to be some questions asked in there. But now is the time. Now is the time so that, you know, I, I cannot, I've lost count the amount of Power BI maps or, or Tableau maps, and, and, and they're great about reporting the data. Let's just have one central source. Let's just have one and that people can see the clusters and we can start getting those insights. So now is the time. Um, but it's a difficult conversation and it's probably political suicide. Um, but it's necessary and it needs to occur. Um, and I would hope that chief health officers would be at the centre of this under the legislative powers that some have been given newly and others uh, are, already have. I uh, I heard on the news this morning, you know, yet another, I think it was three or four deaths uh, from passengers from that uh, cruise ship that docked in New South Wales late last month. And of course, my mind immediately goes to, well, you know, if we had sort of a le level of, of rigour around, um, you know, tracking, you know, um, with all the, you know, relevant... Um, you know, protections in place that we, we could have maybe even saved lives. I mean, some have, you know, likened this to wartime conditions. One must ask the question about what, uh, what could potentially be, um, be sort of parked at, at the moment in terms of, you know, respecting privacy, but, um, you know, it, uh, it, it certainly plays a role with a new context in times like this? Look, absolutely. Uh, um, a primary function of any government uh, in democracy is safety and security of uh, the people inside that society. Um, for a long time, again, a, a bit like my lone voice on smart cities, I've uh, railed uh, the, the fact that uh, it, government, particularly, and I'm to refer to federal government, has largely been responsible for my identity as a citizen as I travel overseas uh, through a passport. Um, I, I would like them to be a custodian of a digital identity as well, and, and that's been tried in various forms um, and hasn't uh, exactly worked. If, for instance, a My Health record had actually worked and been well fought through and had been fought through for such uh, a, a, an incident like we have now, um, perhaps we'd be in a bar, far better position. I mean, what I would say, though, is, is you know, um, nobody's going to get anything right in this phase. Um, uh, and I actually did point something out, I think, a few weeks ago, where I just wrote a statement and said, you're wrong, because we have to allow for the fact that mistakes have been made. And as tragic and as sad as they are, mistakes have been made and mistakes will continue to be made. But this should give a very clear mandate that we need to be better with our data and we need to offer that. Tracking and tracing is now kind of a, an activity that's happening after the fact. Um, and we need to be better at it. And we as citizens need to contribute. If we want safety and security, we do have to sacrifice some liberties. Um, and that is an inevitable um, cause and effect relationship, whether it be from domestic or international terrorism, 
or whether it be from uh, a health issue such as a pandemic. We have to contribute uh, our liberty in order for the greater good. And I, I know that sounds like grandiose statements, but you know, many, many people would be quite happily um, contribute data if there was a very clear cause and the data is only going to be used for that uh, absolute purpose. Do you think there is building now, but, but longer term, when we get through this, there will be a new appreciation for the role of data and data, data insights in our, in our society? Um, one would hope so, Adam, but you know, uh, I reserve the right to remain cynical. Um, and I mean in that is we will be too busy trying to recover um, and, and people will aspire to how things were and that will never happen. It, we are going into a new normal um, and we'll go off in our little silos and we won't think or, or, or coordinate this in any way. You only have to look at legislation um, in each state and jurisdiction in Australia and in New Zealand, um, you only have to look at legislation, federal government uh, and local government. The legislation that is there just doesn't have the uh, real insights. The only, the only exception to the rule in there is New South Wales, who've had a really good um, uh, data legislation for a very long time. Um, and, you know, that's, that's been a very useful one. Um, I would hope if we can identify a lesson because I'm, I'm a big believer in that you don't learn lessons you often identify them it's only if you put them in practice you learn them um, that we would start to act on that data now but I do think that it is not just a government role it's up to us to step up so I would come back to that so you know we all should be contributing data that adds value to the safety and security of society so a mayor calls you up uh, Neil, um, I've had an epiphany and I would like to focus the, you know, the, the, the rebuild of, you know, our economy in our city and, and our, our social, our social sort of, you know, fabric and, and, and wellbeing. I'd like it to be data driven. Um, can you sort of give me your, your top tips? Where, where would you start? a conversation like that in terms of giving, giving some sort of, um, uh, you know, rules of thumb or, or at least starting points. What's the first three things that you'd, you'd be, be sort of advising the mayor on? Well, first of all, Adam, you've clearly been tapping my phone because I've probably had about <laughs> 12 mayors, I think 12, 13 mayors call me on this very issue right across Australia yeah. and many other leaders on this and I hosted a uh, telephone conference on it um, very recently uh, with several uh, leaders in this space. Where would I start? Uh, first of all, I would say to them, what role do you want to play, uh, Mayor? Uh, do you uh, want to be the owner of data? Do you want to be the broker of it? Do you want to be there? What role do you play? Um, I would advise them to be a broker of it and to assist and support um, I would uh, advise them to work very closely with local chambers of commerce um, who, you know, bring together businesses, particularly around that small businesses, and, uh, and help them bring together 
some sort of loyalty program, some sort of scheme, some sort of discount program in and around small businesses, which basically draws in data um, in some way, shape or form. Uh, and that allows uh, those business organisations to provide far deeper insights on the condition that that data is shared with a local jurisdiction um, and uh, to assist in planning and that be a source of truth. That data is also provided back to individual business uh, businesses and it's provided back, you know, in terms of categories. So it provides insights so that they get reporting and, and insights. I would also ask them to think very clearly about privacy um, um, and think very, you know, about uh, anti-competitive behavior and a whole range of things around that. Um, and they're all very serious matters and I don't mean to trivialize them. But I'd also ask them to think very hard about what a smart city is in relation to this. And I'm not saying that because of the nature of this podcast, but I'm saying to if a city or a region is truly smart, its resilience will be higher, uh, its community will be better informed. And in a recovery situation, it will be more agile. Businesses will be more dynamic and be able to pivot no matter the conditions. Um, it would alarm many to uh, see how few businesses are online in these smaller um, sort of family orientated, uh, you know, fantastic small businesses that are still not online. Um, and, you know, they should be brought together to assist them. And we, we should be running, you know, uh, less webinars, more practical support, like discounting, getting them online, um, and, and really uh, incentivizing people to be more resilient in their business. That are probably the broad things, which is what role uh, bring together your uh, local chambers and business leadership groups. Um, make sure you understand your role very clearly around privacy, anti-competitive behavior, and offer those insights to those people that need them all the time. Neil, am I sensing in your voice a, a tad of sort of excitement and optimism about what could potentially be the rebuild and the role of data? Look at massive excitement. I mean, I, you know, not that I'm sitting there going, well, isn't it great that this has happened now? Everybody's going to listen to what I've been saying. It, it, it's not that, but yes, because people are now seeing the importance um, business leaders, uh, small businesses, uh, local governments, uh, you know, cities and regions are now seeing many of the things around digital and data that were said and fell on deaf ears because there was no need. Um, so, yes, I'm excited about that. But I would caveat something, though, Adam, that people talk about the recovery. Um, experience has shown us, whether it be the GFC, whether it be uh, fuel crisis in the 80s, whether it be industrial relations changes, will not be the same. There is going to be a new normal and uh, expecting to things to go back to how they were is a fallacy and actually will cause more pain. It is about preparing now to actually go, well, what is the new world order? Um, I'm sure, Adam, like many people, you've seen that meme floating around the internet who um, helped move your digital strategy forward, CEO, COO, or COVID-19. Mm. The new normal is people are comfortable working mm. from home. People are suddenly realise their productivity in many areas is, is quite high. And there is going to be an expectation 
um, there. So we we need to bring forward, you know, the NBN, we've got to stop deriding it. Um, yeah, it's not been perfect, but actually what we need to do is double down investment and make it more resilient and uh, and make it better you know the digital infrastructure that we badly need on digital infrastructure um and sort of the the, the rebuild and recovery um i'm, I'm going to give you a, a hypothetical we'll, we'll sort of do some role play here so uh i'm, I'm the prime minister um i i've got I've got 50, I'm just plucking this number out of the air, 50 million, um, handing it over to you, Neil, to sort of lead a, a digital and data, um, you know, national rebuild program. What kind of buckets do you throw some of that cash into? Can you break down maybe some some big chunks at a, at a national level? Is it sort of souping up the MBN a little bit more? Is it a big national data dashboard or an app where, where would you sort of throw parts of the money if you could around um uh, that's great so the, the, the thank you prime minister that's very good <laughs> of you to invest uh 50, 50 million um so there are a couple of things that i would do first and foremost so I, I would carve out some money for some really important areas that are quite boring for many which is governance and privacy and those and you know privacy by design engineering that privacy from the outset so it was done well and done properly um, and it wasn't an afterthought that would be a really important and why is that important though it sounds quite boring is because that's what instills trust in any data driven uh, activities that people know from the outside and that isn't just privacy that's ethical data use and that's ethics so carved off uh, some of money out of that 50 million to one side the the second thing is i would empower communities in and around with the smaller sums of money to offer up what data to solve a series of user cases so i'd provide 10 user cases and i'd say here is user case x and it goes to your survey question is um how can we better um capture business failure rates or, or business distress rates and i would actually get you know, crowdsourcing and find out the best way of pulling that data together. Uh, I wouldn't for one second try and uh, arrogantly think that the center of power can do all these things. What is it? Is it a combination of banking data, tax receipts? You know, is it footfall traffic? Is it a sensor in a mall? What is it in terms of that? And I wouldn't profess to know the immediate answer because all economies are different, the way they're shaped, where they're formed, their high streets, their physical infrastructure. And the final part is... I would um, seed funding in each of the state um, and territory areas or in New Zealand to have a, a localized data capacity on a set of frameworks that were governed around privacy and ethics so that there was consistency. Um, and I would immediately make sure that data was available for use by everyone. And that's not just open data, that's just that's visualized be able to use to gain insights and so that's everyone from mom and dad citizen right through to businesses to large corporates so i'm going for breadth not depth because what i'm after is i'm providing leadership across the breadth to bring it together mm. um, i would also use some of that money to enact legislation that creates incentives 
for um, the jurisdictions to provide better data. I, you get more grant funding um, if you provide better data. Um, and so that there is a real incentive in behavior. So GST receipts or whatever it might be, you know, big macro issues. So breadth and then really encourage the uh, jurisdictions to go down into depth. And that really is providing leadership at the top level, but providing, providing control at the lowest level. The last thing a council needs is something else forced upon it um, that isn't of use to it. It needs something that is individual to them. And um, so I'm using that money to seed and to really start the fire. So here's the final question, Neil, um, for our discussion this morning. How, um, what, what is your next sort of 10, 12 months look like? I mean, you're, you're going to be bursting at the seams wanting to sort of support and help solve problems. Can you give me a sense of, of what your professional life looks like for the next little while? Um, look, I, I think um, the, my professional life is probably similar to many others, which is the new normal. I'm quite fortunate. I, uh, you know, a lot of my life was either in aeroplanes, in hotel rooms or working from home. Um, and so obviously remove the aeroplanes and the hotel rooms and it means I get to spend time with my family, which is uh, positive. But a lot of my professional life is really guiding uh leaders both public and private through this data challenge um uh, a lot of that is being uh, pulling together uh interactive workshops actually which is a real um I, i'm really enjoying that driving a workshop from home and getting people to interact about the use of data and how they can do it better um i'm seeing a lot more um uh, cities asking me how do they pivot economies how do they help uh, um provide the same economic output but knowing that there's going to be a different economic mix mm. and how do we do that and what type of data um, should we be looking for and, and how do we pull that together. I'm seeing a lot of um, uh, city leadership uh, and regional leadership in both the elected and uh, the operational staff ask um, how do we um, provide more open and transparent uh, data of our organization that actually a builds trust but b inspires investment and leadership and what are the things that have worked in other jurisdictions globally um, i'm seeing a lot of that and i think I'll, I'll see more of that um during my sort of next 12 months and the final thing is um uh, i think we'll see a lot more people comfortable to do virtual meetings which will mean that my productivity is a lot higher. Um, enormous amounts of time is lost in travel um, and as great and as wonderful it is and you can never beat a face-to-face -face meeting, um, I, my productivity is a lot higher and, uh, and I would certainly um, you know, say that I think we'll see a new productive shift in the economy and certainly my productivity, the amount of work I can turn out is far higher because I'm not um, getting to and from airports at the moment. So it, look, it's positive, um, but what I want to do is make sure that I can contribute to those that are less fortunate and those that are really struggling 
with some of the traditional bricks and mortars businesses that we can do it. And I just want to highlight one thing, if I can, in there. there there's some great campaigns in all of the jurisdiction, uh, uh, jurisdictions, Australia and New Zealand, about spending local and supporting businesses through this period. I think it's really important we do that. There mm. are some re- great bricks and mortar businesses, you know, whether they be a coffee shop, whether whatever. And so my next 12 months is a personal commitment as well to make sure I'm supporting local businesses where I can to keep them thriving because I'll really appreciate them in 12 months time when they still exist as well. Yeah. I, I love that final point you make there, Neil, my, my local little coffee shop down the road where I spend a lot of time is, um, is, is, is hanging in there, which is good, but I've, uh, I've instituted a new policy uh, just personally for me where I go down and, um, I, uh, I asked for a flat, I asked them for one of those $10 flat whites. And of course they're flat whites, large jumbo flat whites are $5. And I said, well, if you don't take my $10, I'll go to your competitor. So um, (laughs) really trying to keep, uh, really trying to keep my dollars locally. uh, Good. Well done, which is good. Uh, Neil, so much more um, in, uh, in this topic around uh, data and um, economic development and the current situation we're in. Uh, we do have to um, do have to pause there. I wanted to uh, thank you so much for carving out a bit of time in your diary to chat to us on the Chronicles today. Thank you very much, and uh, I wish all your listeners uh, good health and good safety, and uh, keep moving forward through this time. Thanks so much, Neil. And for our listeners uh, who aren't subscribing to the Chronicles, you can do so. Head to any platform or place in which you get your podcast. You'll find us there. You can also uh, head to our website, smartcitieschronicles.com. My name is Adam Beck, the host of the Smart Cities Chronicles. We look forward to bringing you another episode soon. Uh, In the meantime, uh, stay safe and keep well.